Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. We are in a series called What Happy Couples Know. Whether you, though, are married, whether you're single, maybe you've been divorced, I want you to know every single one of these messages in this series, this will apply to every person in here, no matter how you find yourself. So make sure that you're part of these uh, messages in this series. He did mention last weekend that we're going to be talking about the M word during this series. And so today we're going to talk about the M word. So we're going to talk about mother-in-laws today. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to talk about money today. <laughs> we had a mother-in-law back there. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about money today in our, in our, uh, in our marriages because it's so important. I was just thinking about this. One of the most requested prayers that we receive, whether it's during 21 days of prayer here at the beginning of the year or just during the year, is um, prayer requests related to money, specifically related to our marriages. And so um, how many of you have ever had financial stress in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, wow. Okay, almost all of you. If you if you didn't raise your hand, either you're lying or you're being raised by your parents still. Okay, like I don't know where you're at, but we've all had financial stress in our life. It's one of the most common cited reasons for divorce. So it's a it's a big topic. We need to talk about it if we're in a relationship series. Um, I'll, I'll start with this. A few weeks ago, um, anyone go on on a spring break vacation for spring break somewhere? Like we went on a cruise, and uh, how many have been on a cruise before? Okay, cruises are really cool. I, I've never been on a cruise with my kids, my, my teenage boys, and I didn't know how they were going to handle it. They ended up loving it because they, like, we would have dinner at 6.15. You know how you schedule your dinner? And you have this super nice dinner. It's like appetizers, and, and you can order an entree, and I always order like two or three because it's all you can eat, and it's awesome. And then you get, you get, a, you get a dessert and coffee, and it's like an hour and a half long event. And it's 6.15 is when our scheduled dinner was with our family. And my boys said, oh, we can't be here that long. We, we have to meet our friends at 7 o'clock. And I'm like, we're in the middle of the ocean. You have friends? Like, who, who are you friends with here? And they're like, oh, yeah. No, we met, we met this dude from Michigan, you know, on the basketball court today. And I'm like, wow. So they, it's so awesome because if you have kids, take them on a cruise because they'll want to leave you, which means you get to have date night every night. And I'm not kidding. Their curfew, the boat's curfew was 1 a.m., all right? So we're like, I don't know if you jumped off the boat or if you're on the boat, but we're going to have date night till 1 a.m. And so we did every night. And one of the things Elise, she really wanted to do, my, my wife wanted to do, she wanted to go to the bridge. And so you know what the bridge is on a cruise ship? It's where the captain drives the boat. And it's where all the cool monitors are and everything. And so it's 10 p.m. one night. We're out doing our thing, and we go, we, we're walking around, and there's no one around us, okay? Nobody around us. They're all, like, partying and stuff. 
And it's this beautiful night, and we go to the bridge, and we want to see the captain driving the boat. And we get there, and the, the windows are closed. Like, you cannot see into the bridge. And so I don't know if the captain's asleep. I don't know what's going on, but, but there's no, it's nothing open, except they have a monitor, a computer monitor. It's like a, a radar that shows us where our cruise ship is in the ocean. And it's really cool because it shows all these other boats around you. And so you could see on the radar, there's a boat to the right of us. And sure enough, you look out and there's a cruise ship out in the middle of the night, just floating right next to you. And it was pretty awesome. And there was like 15 boats. And there was this one boat that was coming right towards us on the radar. And here it says on the radar, we're doing about 30 knots, about 30 miles, 35 miles per hour with a city on, I mean, basically a floating city going towards another boat. I'm kind of freaking out because I see two boats coming together and I'm literally like, is the captain awake here? I don't know what's about to happen. And God is my witness as I'm watching this. This monitor starts blinking and, and our ship turns red on the monitor and I'm blinking red. And then a few seconds later, I hear dinging in the captain's the bridge, inside the bridge. And I'm like, he's not awake. He does not hear this. And it's being, and no one's around. And then I promise you on the radar, it says divert, divert, divert. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And this is the way it is with our financial lives. So many of us, we are in the ship of our lives and we are floating towards pending doom if we do not do something. And God is saying, with blinking lights, with these bells, boom, boom. And he's saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, divert. You need to divert in your life. If you don't, there is impending doom ahead of you. And I've given you some instructions. You need to do something about this. Y'all want to know what happened in the story? <laughs> Obviously, we survived. I mean, we did. he said, you die. Okay. I crashed through the window and then I steered the boat. No, I did not. I don't even think you can, this is not a pirate ship, you know, like this are, these are, mon- but no, I mean, obviously they diverted. Okay, but that's boring. Who wanted to hear that? And so before we talk about finances, uh, specifically in marriage, uh, I want to set up God's view of money because my view of money is one thing, but God's view of money is what matters, right? So I want to hear what God has to say about money. And so let me set this up. Uh, Matthew 6.21, if you have your Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen if you don't. Matthew 6.21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think people get this backwards a lot. I think a lot of people think that where your heart is, what you care about, is where your treasure will follow. And that's not necessarily what God is saying. God is saying where your treasure is, that's where your heart follows. And I think that's powerful. And so if you've ever bought a stock, a share of stock, what you'll find is you actually start caring about it. I mean, I have. Uh, you know, if you've ever bought like Amazon or everybody, all of a sudden you care about Amazon. Man, I hope Christmas does well for Amazon. Whatever it is, right? You, you really care. And so Matthew 6, 24, though, says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despises the, the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. This is a super powerful scripture when I heard this for the first time. In fact, if you had never heard that scripture and you put a blank in, in, the, in the place for money, 
you probably wouldn't think that would be the word that God would use. You'd probably say you, you cannot serve both God and the devil or you cannot serve both God and yourself. But God says, you know, you can't serve both God and money. What is it about money that he knows uh, that's so powerful in our lives? In fact, if many of you have the King James Version of the Bible, and if you read the King James Version, it says you can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon, people are like, always like, well, what's mammon? Mammon is, is, um, came from Babylon. It's the God of riches. So it's the Babylonian and the Syrian God of riches. This is a God that they served. And it was all about riches and more and more. And how can I get more and more? And if you know what Babylon came from, Babylon in the Bible came from the, when they mentioned the Tower of Babel. And Babylon means in confusion. So anytime you believe in the lies of mammon, you will find that there's confusion in the area of your money. And so he's saying you cannot serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and the God of riches. You have to choose because you can't serve both. This is God's view of money. Let me prove it to you that there's confusion concerning our money. There was a book that was written called The Day America Told the Truth. And they asked Americans, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Listen to this. This is, this is Americans. 25% would abandon their entire family. 23% would become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. 16% would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% would withhold testimony letting a murderer go totally free. 7% would kill a total stranger for $10 million. 3% would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. Now, I would do that for free. <laughs> I have no, I'll pay you. $10 million, man, I'll give it up. Okay, Haggai 1.6, this is about confusion. I want you to see the confusion in this. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put, put them in a purse with holes in it. I think this is so much of the way that we live. I feel like we live paycheck to paycheck. And every time we put money in our pocket, it's gone. Someone else has it. It's literally not ours anymore. And there's so much confusion around it. This is, I remember Pastor Robert Morris mentioning this, pastor at Gateway Church. He mentioned this years ago, and it's always affected me. And it, basically what he said was, your money will always have a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it, or it has the spirit of mammon on it. And you have to choose what spirit it's gonna have on it. Because some of you are gonna be given a lot of money. Some of you are gonna be entrusted with a little bit of money. But it's, for God, it's never been the amount that, that's the big deal. It's, it's what do you do with it? And so depending on how you handle your money will determine whether it has the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon on it. And so that's Jesus's view of money. Um, he, he views it as the greatest threat to your heart. That's why he cares so much about it. Um, and so the question that, that he would ask is, do you have money or does money have you? You have to answer that question. So there's three things in this series, I think three things in this message that happy couples know when it, when it comes to our finances. The first, 
I think this is one of the most important because this is where divorce happens when it comes to our finances and our marriages. The first is happy couples know they have to respect each other's money language. You've heard of love language, the five love languages. There's also money languages. And so there's a guy named Kenneth Doyle out of the University of Minnesota. He was a financial um, psychologist. He wrote a paper called The Four Money Languages. And basically what he says in this paper is we all see money differently. We have a particular view of money. It's neither good or bad. It's not right or wrong. But we have a particular view of how we view money. And because of how we view money, we often judge our spouse and we reject each other's money language because we view money in a different way. And so when people cite money as the reason, for they, the reason for their divorce, it's usually not because of the lack of money. It's because of the way they view money and how they couldn't come together on how they viewed money. And so here's the, the four money languages. I want you to see if you can see yourself in one of these languages. The first is the driver. A driver. A driver, for a driver, money means success. So it protects against incompetence. The more money you have, the more successful you feel. The less money you have, the less successful you feel. The second is an amiable. Money means love. So the more money you have, the more love you can show someone. The less money you have, the less vacations you can go on with your family. You don't feel like you can show them very much love. Um, An analytic. Money means security. Um, These are usually people that are very uh, planned out, very structured. They're usually about six foot two. They went to Texas A&M. They're married. They have two boys. That's usually who that person is. Um, An expressive is the fourth one. An expressive Money means acceptance and respect. So the more money you have, the more respected you feel. Uh, you feel like you can show up at a party and, and people have to respect you when you have money. The less money you have, you, you, you just don't feel respected. You don't feel admired and you don't feel uh, accepted. And so um, do you identify, question, do you identify yourself in one of these? Okay, uh, I see a lot of heads nodding. Now, yeah, if you're married here, raise your hand if you're different than your spouse. Yeah, hands are like shooting up. Like if I could throw my arm onto the ceiling, that's how fast it is. Like, that's how we are. Like that's, my wife and I are literally polar opposites. So I am an analytic, okay, money means security with a wing of expressive. Like Elise is a driver with a wing of an amiable. So we're completely polar opposites. In fact, when we first got married, this is like the thing we argued about. I would be looking at our checkbook and, and I would look at our bank statement and I would go, what? I'd be like, Elise, across the house, by the way, this is not a good conversation. Across the house, I'm going, what'd you spend $22.33 on? And she goes, I said, she goes, where's this from? I said, Kroger. She goes, I don't know. And I said, this is the problem. You don't know. You gotta know. You gotta know where your money go. Okay, like we gotta know. And she, And it frustrated me all the time. And so she was given, we've been married 21 years. About 23 years ago, we were dating and we we knew we were gonna get married. She was given $20,000. Now, $20,000 to me is a lot of money. When I was 21, $20,000 was a ton of cash, right? And so I'm like, 20, look what we could do with $20,000. And she went and blew it on a stupid trip to Seattle. And I was like, oh, it's a mission trip. Whatever. It, I don't even know. I, 
She, she bought a piano with it. She said she spent some on college. I don't know. All I know is it's gone. It's all I know. We do not have that $20,000. And I, here I am, the security guy was like, oh, no, this is going to be awesome. We're going to be able to pay cash for a car, or maybe we can put a down payment on a house, or, or maybe we can invest it. And it would be awesome. And just to, just to prove that I'm not over this, what I did is I, I, I actually decided what would we have had today if we put $20,000 in a CD that earned 2% over 23 years? This is what we lost today. We do not have $31,000, $538. But what if you had put $20,000 into the S&P 500 over the last 23 years that has averaged 8%? I want to show what we do not have. This is what we don't have. $117,000. Hope you like your trip to Seattle. That's all I'm saying. Golly, this is, but we struggled. Now, you, are you on my side or her side is all I want to know. <laughs> you were like, her side, always. Um, but every money language has a weakness, okay? We, we all have our weaknesses. I was called a tightwad, all right? I, that's, that was so, if you're, but here's the thing. If you have the same money language, um, that's not great because you share your, each other's weaknesses. So, for, for example, two amiables, two people that express love through their money, that's not ideal. You may be popular, but you're broke. That's what it is. Because like you come home one night and you're like, baby, you're not going to believe this. I bought you a car today. Then your spouse is like, no way. I bought you a car today. You're broke. You're broke. Um, it's good if you're different. It's a good thing if you're different. Um, it causes a lot of fights, but if you'll learn to respect each other's money language, it can be so powerful because you make better decisions when you make them together. That's what I've learned in my, my relationship. My strengths offset her weaknesses and her weaknesses offset my strength and vice versa. If I said that the same, I don't know. Um, but it, it, it's so important we understand that. And if you want financial intimacy in your marriage, and I don't know what financial intimacy means. I don't know if that's like a quarter getting with a penny. I don't know what that looks like. But <laughs> if you want financial intimacy in your marriage, you can not, no one can dominate in your marriage when it comes to your finances. You have to be complete equals. Even if one is stronger in the area of money and, and numbers and things like that, you have to come together knowing that God brought you together. Every significant financial decision you make should be made together. And I'm not, you're not going to believe when I say this. In the New York Times this last week, my wife found this article. She sent this to me. It says this, traveling alone without your new spouse for your honeymoon is actually a trend. The practice is apparently so trendy, they've created nicknames called solo moons and unimoons. If you're single here today, do not make this a trend. This is stupid, okay? We should not do this. Like, I've waited for my honeymoon for a reason. I want my wife there. Like, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, it's crazy. But this, I'm saying that to say we come together in marriage, but what we immediately do is we want to split up, split up. And that's not what scripture says. We come together. We want to do this together. Genesis 2.24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh, 
On the inside of my wedding ring, what my wife inscribed on my wedding ring was Song of Solomon 6.3, which says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine, which means everything that is hers is mine. And everything that's mine becomes hers. Now, together, we do not have $20,000. We don't have it anymore. We don't have the 117. It's gone. I will get over this. Y'all pray for me because one day. But, but I love it because in the message version of the Bible, this week, and I was studying for this, I decided to look up Song of Solomon 6.3 in another, a couple other versions. And I looked it up in the message version, and she was giving me a subliminal message. And here's why. This is what it says in the message version. You're going to love it. She's, she's, this, is, she, this thing is just so hot. Watch this. Watch this. Never mind. My lover is on his way to his garden to browse among the flowers, touching the colors and forms. This is what she was saying to me 21 years ago. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. He caresses the sweet-smelling flowers. I used to like Song of Solomon 6.3. I love it now. I mean, it is good. Um, (laughs) Married 21 years. It's crazy. Been married 21 years. And here's what I found out after 21 years. If I'm praying about something and we're praying about something together and we are in disagreement over whether we should get that thing, That's the Holy Spirit's way of telling me it's not God's timing. Because God has put us together, and it's so important. We respect each other's love language. We respect each other's money language, and we make better decisions together. Here's the second thing. Taking notes here. Here's the second thing that every happy couples know. Happy couples know to prioritize God in our finances. We prioritize God in our finances There's five things you can do with your money. I'm going to have them on the screen. Here's five things you can do with your money. You can spend it. You can repay debt. You can pay taxes. You can save and you can give. Here's the five things you can do with your money. If you think about it, these are the five things you can do with your money. Unfortunately, these five things, it's in this order of priority that most of us use our money. In this order of priority. Let me say it another way. Another way of saying this is, this is all about me, me, we, me, God. We look at how we use our money in this order. It's me, me, we, me, God. Say that five times. Me, me, we, me, God. Me, me, we, me, God. You can't do it. You sound like the Geico commercial with the little piggy. Wee! I love that guy. It's like my favorite. Me, me, we, me, God. We, me, me, we, me, God. This is the way we look. This is the way so many of us look, and I'm, I'm going to spend it all on me because you have no idea how expensive my car payment is. I'm going to spend it all on me because you have no idea how much my electric bill is. You, I'm going to spend it all on me, on me, on me, on me, on me, on me, because my neighbor has a really nice car, and I feel like i got to get a really nice car now, right? I'm going to spend it all on me, and, and, and I can't afford it, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get into debt, so I'm still spending it all on me, and then I'm going to spend it, right? i got to pay the government because there's nothing certain in life except for death and taxes. So we got to pay our government, right? So me, me, we, and then if I have any, 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 anything left over, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to save for me. And if I have any, 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 anything left over from that, I might give it to God. And this is the priority that we use our money and we go, dear God, dear heavenly father, dear baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus, here's what I need from you. I need you to help me with my finances. I need you, God, to intervene in a way that no one else can. 
need you to help me find that job. I need you to help me with this car payment. Because you know how I love Bentleys. And I need your help. And I need your help financially. But oh, by the way, you're number five on my list. We have no problem going to God and taking him out of the correct priority. And I'm asking you, where is God prioritized in this list? And I'm just telling you, welcome to average. This is what the average American does right here. Me, me, we, me, God. Welcome to average. And I can say that because I have a degree in accounting, a master's in finance. I became a CPA and I did tax returns for years. I've done hundreds of tax returns. And this is what I saw over and over and over again, year after year after year. We, me, 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 we, me, God. It was always about me, 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 me. And God was never prioritized. This is what it looks like to serve your money. Happy couples know that God makes a better better master than your money does. Happy couples know that God makes a better master than money does. And if Jesus is who he claims to be, let me say it this way. There was a man we talk about in the Bible, his name is Jesus, who predicted his death and three days later predicted the fact that he was going to be resurrected from the grave and he was going to defeat the grave and, and then pulled it, actually pulled it off. If someone can do this, then you got my ears. You have all my attention on any subject because you are not man. There is something different about you. You are God. There is a super, something supernatural about you. You have my attention. And I have, what do you have to say about any subject I'm paying attention? And this is what he says. He says about, about money, he talks more about money than he does heaven, hell, and prayer combined. Why? Because he knows that money is in complete rivalry to mastery to God. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a direct competitor to your heart with God. You cannot serve both God and money. And what he would say, what Jesus is saying is you need to flip the script in your life. You need to flip the script. And I wanna give you some verses about what it looks like to flip the script. Matthew 6, 30, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's an order there. God gets no glory in seeing you suffer financially. But so many people think they have to suffer financially. This is the way they have to live. This is the way that my family has been raised me. This is the only way I've ever seen it. This is the way that my ancestors did. This is the way that I've, I've only seen, I've, I've only seen it raised, seen the other way. I, that's how I know how to deal with my finances. He's saying you have to flip the script, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Malachi 3, 7, talking, this is when God is talking to Israel in the Old Testament when, he's, when he says, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. Malachi 3, 7 says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. There's an order there. You return to me and I will return to you. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of every, everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. First time I, I read that, I read that in another, another version, and it says it's set apart for God. Anything 
God says is holy or set apart, we honor and treat as holy like God asks us to. He always honors it and blesses it in our lives. And so I think what God is saying is flip the script. Let me show you how to flip the script practically in your finances. This is what it should look like. You should first give to God. You should second save for yourself. You should third pay the taxes. Fourth, repay debt. And fifth, live on what's remaining. It's complete opposite of the way most of us live our lives. But when you honor God with the first, especially in your finances, something supernatural happens that I cannot explain, that a CPA can't explain, that a financial advisor cannot explain because the money, the dollars, they don't always make sense when you prioritize God. Something supernatural happens. It's because giving is a space maker. Now, if you guys have who's watched the NCAA tournament going on right now? Come on, Duke. How can you root for a blue devil? He's blue. He's not red. Okay, like whatever. But, right, I mean, like when you see on the basketball team, the best player on the team is often given the ball. And the reason is that guy can make something out of nothing. He can make something happen where there is no way. This is what happens when you create space for God. You've created space for a supernatural God to do something in your life that you can't do for yourself. And so when you create space for God, he often doesn't just fill it, but he will overflow it. And this is what you have to understand. Something so practical when it comes to flipping the script in your life, when it comes to flipping the script in your finances, you have to think in terms of percentages, not in dollar amounts. This is where most of us get confused because we're like, there's no way the math works because you're thinking in terms of dollar amounts. God has always thought in terms of percentages. When you see the widow, when she gave her two mites, Jesus was so impressed, not because of the amount. He didn't look at that and go, wow, two mites. No, no, no. He went, she gave everything. She gave the biggest percentage. Everyone else was given out of their wealth. He didn't care about the amount. What you'll find out in some of the parables Jesus talks about, he'll say some to get one and some will get two and some will get three and some will get five. It's not about the amount. It's about what you did with the amount he gave you. And it's about a percentage. And so I know two things about everyone in the room. All of you are living on a percentage of your income. And you probably don't know what percentage of income that is. All you know is it's 100% gone. And if you don't choose the percentage of income that you're choosing to live on, I promise you someone else will determine it for you. Between your spending habits, the government, um, your debt payoff, someone will determine the percentage you are going to live on. And my challenge to you, and I know this is like homework and this is practical, and some of you are going to hate this, but I promise you this will be one of the most effective things you do in 2019 if you actually do it. I'm asking you to go take out your budget, okay, like I know, no one's like, oh, I hate that word, take out your budget. Some of you don't even know what a budget is, a budget just tells you your money, where it's gonna go, and you prioritize where your money has gone and where it's supposed to go, and you need to together as a family determine, I'm going to, we're going to reprioritize our list, and here's what I want you to do, I want you to first give to God, 
a percentage. Second, save for yourself a percentage before you do anything else. Third, I'm gonna live on what's left. It will change your life. This is what has changed our lives financially, my wife and I. When we, we didn't let anyone else determine. We said, no, I don't care what the dollars say. I don't care how much my house payment is. I don't care how much this is. I don't care how much is. I used to have car payments, and I said, no, someone's not gonna determine my payments. The first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna prioritize God. I'm gonna give a percentage to God. I'm going to save a percentage. You know what I had to do? I had to sell some stuff and I had to drive some hoopties for a while. And I had to be okay with that. And so I only pay cash for cars. The reason is because I want to prioritize God. I may, have to, I may not be able to drive the nicest car, but it's a decision that I had to make. Are you saying that I'm gonna have to make some changes, Brett? Maybe. Are you saying that I can't get Starbucks five days a week? Not the Starbucks. Anything but the Starbucks. Maybe. Maybe. Man, more than anything, I want to honor God's word. I think what happy couples know is that you either let God and invite God into your finances or you close the door to God in your finances and you say, no, I'm going to be the God in this area. I'm good, I'm compartmentalized you. I'm gonna be God in this area. And I think this is what's so crazy. A couple weeks ago, I was studying for something completely different and God sent me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, I don't normally read 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's a super powerful scripture on King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat, and, and he was king over Israel and they were getting attacked. They were about to be attacked by all these different armies, about to be destroyed He says something so powerful, which is I think is what a lot of us are saying today. In verse 12, he says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I think a lot of us are saying, I don't know what to do with my finances. All I know is my eyes are on you. And then a Levite, a couple of verses later, so powerful, he says this. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Some of you needed to hear that today. This battle does not have to be yours. It could be God's. Jehoshaphat does something crazy. The next morning, before he sends his army out, he sends a worship team out in front of the army. And as they begin to worship God, the Bible says that all the other enemy armies start fighting each other and they defeat themselves. It's like God showed me. He wants to be in the front line of the battle. And he's saying, put me in the front line. Get me out of the back. In your finances, you put me way in the back and I want to be in the front lines if you'll worship me. And I I love what what Rachel said. This is what's the most important thing is the presence of God. If you'll put me first, there's some supernatural things I can do that it it won't make sense. The math won't make sense, but I'm gonna do something in your life that you couldn't otherwise do. In the kingdom of God, order always matters. Put God in the front of your finances. It changes you. And it's so hard speaking on this topic sometimes as a pastor because so many people have a view. All that church wants is their money, and you got it wrong. 
If that's what you think about me, if that's what you think about Pastor Stephen, if that's what you think about this church, you don't know us. That's not what this is. You need to prioritize God in front of everything. It'll change your life. The third thing, and this is the shortest point I'll ever give you. Happy couples know that money will never make you happy. Your greatest goal in life is not to to make as much money as possible. Because what I found out is when I do that and I keep trying to strive and strive and strive, I'm going after the God of riches. I'm going after the mammon. I'm going after something that is not God. And I'll never, ever get there. So you have some decisions to make. You've trusted God with your eternity. You've trusted God with your family. You've trusted God with your health. Why do so few people trust God with their finances? I think it's because it's, it's where the rubber has met the road. Eternity is somewhere else. Eternity is right here. Eternity is somewhere else. I'll trust God with that. But I deal with money every day. I'm just saying, do you trust him? Do you really believe in his word? Because if you do, that's what truly is gonna make you happy. And you put God as the master and not your money. I think there's three people in this place and I'll pray for you. Um, Some of you, you've never prioritized God in the area of your finances. For whatever reason, like that has never been a thing. You don't believe in the tithe. You think that's Old Testament. Some of you are just like, no, God, God doesn't need my money. So he doesn't need, that's the way you view it. And you've never prioritized God. I'm, I'm asking you to reprioritize, flip the, flip the script in your life. See what God does. Some of you, you have prioritized God in your life before in the area of your finances, but for whatever reason, maybe a a dark day, maybe a a financial problem has flipped the script back the other way. You've gone back to the average. You've gone back to what everyone does. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm asking you to trust God. Flip the script. Some of you, you're like me. You've given to God since you were a child because you saw your parents do that. That's all you've known. Oh, I've always known to give to God. But you have compartmentalized the tithe as God's and everything else is yours. When I found out, everything is God's. Even the very breath you're breathing was given to you by God. We own nothing. We're stewards. If your money could talk, your money would say, I will be here when you're gone. I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say this. I believe God wants to do something supernatural in your life, but you have to invite him in. Let me pray for you. God, I I don't know where your people are. I don't know every family in here, but you do. And you know exactly where they are. And so you've asked us to speak on this message, on this topic, God. And this is about something for people, not something to take from people. And so God, I pray your spirit in this place, that any, any person that has a bitter heart as it relates to money in this place, God, you would soften it in the name of Jesus, God. I pray for healing in the area of finances in this place. Some, some, some people have been divorced because of finances. There's been um, strife and stress and confusion and frustration over finances. And God, I pray that they would get the victory, God, as they begin to put you first, God. You know exactly where everyone's at. And so I pray a financial blessing over every family in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.
Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.